land tax, stamp duty, tenants. Sure, property is great, but there are easier ways to get your passive income, sometimes with franking credits. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in many different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including income-focused funds, which aim to provide yield-hungry investors with attractive income streams. Discover the BetaShares range of ETFs and how simple they can be to invest in by going to betashares.com.au. Read the relevant PDFs and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. This is a podcast by The Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of The Rask Group. I'm Pete Wardgent, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. I'm joined by Amy Lenardi. How are you going? I'm good, Owen. It's great to have you with me. Today, we're doing one of our foundation episodes. These episodes air typically on a Tuesday and we break down one topic or theme or I guess method for property investing, buying, selling, whatever. Uh, And we'd love to hear from you. If you want to write into us, there's a link in your show notes that says ask a question. You can also use that to submit feedback. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you get your social media and you can send in your suggestions. But today we're talking about off-market, Amy. So I was just saying to you before, I'm a little bit nervous because I don't know much about this. So, Well, that's great. That's why you're here to ask the questions to me because it's a topic that you're unfamiliar with. And sometimes I forget what people don't know and I just take it as a given because I deal with this every single day. Yeah, you do. So, okay, let's just start with the obvious one. What is off-market and what does that mean? Okay. So an off-market property is essentially any type of property that is not advertised on the internet. It's the best way to think about it. And my best analogy that I've got, and I love this analogy, you tell me if you like it too, it's like the dark web of the property market. Okay. <laughs> now, I've have you been I've have you been on the dark uh, web? Once upon a time, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I've never actually been on the dark web. However, what I understand about it is it's like this sort of secret sort of web <laughs> that you can't but you can't see it and you can't get access to it unless you're told about it or you, unless you're told a specific address. Yeah, that's how it no works. Yeah, you need a particular browser to get into it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's the same with off-market properties. You can't find out about them unless you're told about them and that's most commonly through the real estate agent and then they'll give you the address. So there you go. That's my best analogy. Okay. It's anything that's not advertised on the public internet. Okay. So no realestate.com.au, no domain, all that sort of stuff. Yes, exactly. But there are varying different levels. Okay. We'll call it the off-market spectrum. Okay. okay. The deep dark web. <laughs> the deep dark web. <laughs> the shallow dark web. Okay. Yep. So one kind of off-market might be where that real estate agent, because bear in mind that to sell an off-market property is actually quite challenging for a real estate agent because yeah. if they put it on the internet, then they're going to have lots of people look at it, approach them. They're the ones that actually have to put the work and effort in to find a buyer for that. 
Yeah. So they might advertise that off market on their like their internal database. So like they a mailing might, list or whatever. Their mailing list, exactly. Yep. They'll send it out via email. And I get a, a lot of these emails every day because I'm on a lot of databases. But they also might put it on their social media. Hey, we've got this one off market. So that's why when you're looking for a property, it's really good to get on as, as annoying as it can be sometimes. And you might want to um, unfollow these real estate agents after you buy a property. You want to be alerted to these things through as many channels as you can. So that's kind of like a semi-advertised off-market. And then there are off-markets where it's more reliant on that agent. Maybe that agent doesn't have social media or, you know, they haven't gone to the effort of putting it on their email list and they're just talking to people about it. So the way that you find out about those is by calling and emailing the real estate agent saying, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Do you have anything that's not online? And then they might say, yeah, I do. I've got this property. Could it suit you? So you know how they put those signs up outside houses? Would an off-market still have a sign at the front? Probably You mean not. the real estate board for site for yeah. sale? Generally not. In some instances, a real estate agent might go to the, the level of putting an off a board up saying this property is off-market for sale. You know, it costs the vendor a little bit, but most commonly not. Because sometimes it'll depend on maybe that vendor selling because they want a bit of privacy. Okay, I was going to say, because that, that's where I was going to go with that. So is it because you don't want the people knowing that you're selling necessarily like your neighbours or your family or friends or whatever? Is, is that the primary motivation or is it like cost? Is it cheaper to do it this way? Like what is the, because I imagine, right, here's just the way my supply demand economics, you'd appreciate this, is like you've got, if you put it on real estate and domain, you're going to get heaps of buyers from all over. So you're going to have heaps of demand, but when you do it, you're basically the other way off market. You're basically dependent on the agents list. So you're not going to get as many buyers, but maybe you get quality buyers, but maybe you don't get as many. I was just about to say that it's quality, not, not quantity. Sometimes in theory, getting as much exposure as possible will in theory, get you the best result because it's going to reach out to an audience that that agent might not be able to tap into normally and to get the best price. Ideally, you have a bit of competition and it's good to have a broad selection of buyers too because sometimes even if someone is willing to pay the most, well, their terms might not suit you. So as many buyers as possible is great and that's an ideal world. But there are many, many, many reasons why a vendor would consider selling off market. So one reason is like what you just, we talked about just then, it's privacy. So they might be going through a challenging time. They might be a, a celebrity, for example. They might be unwell or just don't want anyone in their business. So they would prefer an off-market quiet campaign. They don't want people coming through. They don't want hundreds of people coming through their house. Money motivation is an element. So it is cheaper to sell off market in that you don't have to pay the online advertising fees. Do you know what they are roughly? So that could be five grand, eight oh, grand really? more. Yeah. And who pays for that? The vendor pays for that. Yeah, right. It's in, I always thought this, this is interesting. I think I read this in a book once before Inside Real Estate, I think the book was. I always thought it was interesting that the seller has to pay for that. I always thought that it would be the agent's responsibility. Like they would have a subscription or something. Because it's like, it makes their job easier. <laughs> it does. However, if they can't sell that property, just say that because yeah, it's risk, outside. It? Well, just say that vendor decides all of a sudden that they want too much money and they can't sell that property. Then that's all the risk is on the agent. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a lot of money though to save. If, you, if you've got a good agent who can sell off market, it, it, make, it kind of makes sense because you could probably save on that cost. Well, if that agent came to you and said, Owen, oh, I know that you want to sell your property for this price. I've got 
three or four buyers who I know would probably pay that or they're looking for something similar. If I could get you a straightforward, easy transaction with less cost, why would you not explore that? Absolutely. But everyone's going to have a different risk appetite. You might say, oh, well, no, I, what if I could have got more by putting it online? Absolutely. It's a what if. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then there's just a lot more flexibility with off-market too because you don't have that time pressure of a campaign or a time pressure of putting it online and then, you know, if you don't get the interest, it sits there and it starts to get stale, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you start to, well, you've paid those advertising costs. And then if you don't get an outcome, that's a sunk cost that you don't get back. And you might also then have to pay or want to pay for styling, um, presenting that property in a different way. It all, it all does add up. So selling off market is a way where if you're not under time pressure, that's also a, a, a way to save cost. Um, but if you are under time pressure, then going online is going to get you the maximum exposure and just reduce that risk of it sitting around off market if that agent can't find you a buyer. There's a house in our area the other day that was on the market for a while. And I thought it was a really good purchase because it's on a nice road. It was close to the town. It was close to the train station, schools, all that sort of stuff. Nice block. Everything about it was nice. The house was a bit run down. But um, like everything else was about it. It was quite nice. But what is interesting is this house took maybe three or four months to sell, which is unusual for my area. And... What happened was that house sold and then I'm going to say within a fortnight, the house next door had sold, but that wasn't on the market. And I thought to myself, maybe they saw their neighbors sell and the agent approached them and said, I have a buyer. And you you saying that before. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And that's another, that's another reason why vendors sell off market is the agent has approached them. Maybe they've door knocked them or they've put a little flyer in their letterbox to say, we've got buyers considering selling, we've got them ready to go. I have bought many properties over the last decade where we've been interested in a certain property and we've missed out. We've been the underbidder and the agent will say, well, I've got another one. It's in the same block or it's around the corner. Here you go. Let's offer this to you because we're qualified. We're ready to go. And for that vendor, if they're happy with the price, that's a win-win. Yeah, it seems to be. So you can save money. You can maybe sell with privacy. How many properties do you reckon you buy off market? So as a percentage for my clients, I buy about 30% off market. Oh, wow. That can vary. So sometimes I've gone through periods where it's been 50%. There are so many off market properties. And I had a look, I've got this spreadsheet where I keep a record of all of them that come in to me. This is a combination of emails and also me making phone calls and my, my team making phone calls. And bear in mind that I only put properties on this spreadsheet that I might have a client for in the future. So this is a small section of Melbourne. Uh, you know, it's 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 a certain type of properties and I put on average about 100 a week onto that list. So if that's only in my area and I'm sort of in that Melbourne metro area and those are the only ones that I'm seeking out, how many are out there at any one point in time? And right now in particular, when we're in this market where there's a bit of uncertainty and vendors are not as confident about selling, there's even more off markets. Hmm. So can it, so you're obviously a buyer's agent. Can people do this themselves or is it, this is where like, it sounds like this is a great opportunity to use a buyer's agent because they can do the work for the buyer and actually get on these mailing lists, speak to the agents and do all that stuff through the connections. Because it sounds, this seems more like relationshipy kind of management and finding people in it's the market. It's a combination of both. Yeah, it's a combination of both. So you can, as a Call you a regular buyer. Yeah, regular buyer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> As a non-biased advocate, you can go and find off-markets yourself by being proactive, 
But I don't think I've ever met a buyer who has sat down and made a spreadsheet of every single mm. agent in the area and contacted every single one. Because yeah, you can do that and you should do that, but no one does do that. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And things move quickly too. Exactly right. And you need to be proactive. And then there's a fine line between being too naggy and not naggy enough. And so as a buyer's agent, I am doing that constant communication because the agents expect that from me, but they also know that I have qualified buyers, motivated buyers. They know if they are transacting with me, then things are generally going to go more smoothly. And with an off-market sale, sometimes it can be precarious. I had one last year where the vendor was very unwell. They, the agent wanted a, as smooth of a process as possible. Mm. So they approached me and we were the only people that looked at that property and we bought that property with no competition. So a buyer's agent will get more opportunities like that, a, a, a buyer's agent which the agents like and want to work with. And another reason why a buyer's agent will tend to get more access to these off-markets, coming back to that spectrum that I, talk, I talked about a, a little while ago, how there's those really publicly advertised ones on the socials and stuff. There are also off-markets which the agents keep quite under wraps and perhaps that's because the vendor has said, I only want really qualified buyers or the vendor is actually shopping that property around with multiple agents. And in which case an agent that I'm working with that doesn't have an exclusive authority over that property, they know that they can trust me to not share that address around and it's just much more uh, tight-lipped in those situations. So the, so the agent, if they're still trying to win the vendor or the seller's business, they could still approach you and be like, hey, this could be about to come on. This is what I'm working on. Do you have anyone ready to go? Absolutely. Yeah. And they might say, I've got a buyer's agent to come through. So that might be part of their their pitch. So they might not have secured that, le- that listing yet. They're more likely to tell me that than they are another buyer because they know I know how it, it all works. And, yeah. um, and in those cases, we would call that a, either an off-market or it might be a pre-market. So it's going to come on the internet at some point in time, but we can sometimes purchase it beforehand. Mm. That's actually a really important thing to clarify. If you are told about an off-market, you need to ask, is this genuinely off-market? Or is it a pre-market? Because if it's a pre-market, it's going to go online at some point. That will then influence your strategy around timing and negotiation. I feel like there's an opportunity here for, because this is such a big purchase price. I feel like, so when we're investing in shares and companies and whatever, we're always looking for an edge, right? And they can be very small edges of like, maybe you learn about something before someone else, like that's obviously legal. (laughs) Um, But, um, or maybe you do some research a few other people have done this is definitely what I, I would think is like a big edge because um, you're effectively purchasing something that's worth a lot of money. And even though it might only seem like a small difference on the surface, oh, yeah, it's off market, whatever that means kind of thing, it could actually be huge in terms of the ticket price. Like you, before you said you were the only buyer. I've been the only buyer with off market transactions in many instances. That's like a buyer's dream. It's a buyer's dream. Absolutely. As long as the price is right. Oh, yeah. We don't, we're not even, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yes, the main thing it gives you is more choice Mm -hmm. and more opportunities, especially in low stock environments where there isn't a lot of options out there. And whether you buy off market or not, it means it also gives you the confidence when, if you do buy something that's online, you know what else is out there. You've got more benchmarks, more exposure. So getting access to them and as many as possible is only beneficial. And if you find one that's really well-priced and there's less competition or it's a dream home that you wouldn't have otherwise knew about, that's an amazing 
amazing opportunity. Okay, so it all sounds really positive, Amy. Then like buying off market to me sounds really positive, but what's the drawback? Is there any downside to this? Yes, I've talked off markets up and they are amazing in the right circumstances. But when a property is off market, in many instances, the vendor has got less motivation because they haven't committed to that cost. They haven't necessarily committed to any dates or timeframes, or it could be one of those vendors who is just testing the waters, shopping that property around, using multiple agents. And in which case, you're dealing with someone who is more flaky. They could be more flaky around committing to accepting an offer or taking an offer. They could be chasing an unrealistic price. And that can impact you a lot because it means that you're then getting emotionally involved in something that might not happen. You're then, your attention is being taken away from realistic properties online. So that's a big drawback. And so, yeah, it can waste a lot of time. Do sometimes the... Like in Victoria, we have the Section 32, which is like an information document about all the uh, easements and all the kind of like council stuff that overlays and all that for the properties. Those things can take time for some vendors to get together. I imagine that can also be a bit tedious at times. Like that can sometimes delay things. It can sometimes delay things. Although when you go to an auction or go for a private sale, those properties don't always have paperwork available at the start either. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a case of how organized is that vendor and how quick is their legal representative. But in theory, if you negotiated um, something off market and just say you did it verbally because there's no contracts yet, then they should be able to get you a contract pretty quickly within a couple of days in theory. Hmm. Um, Or you could sign a letter of offer. It's not legally binding on both sides, but there's always an element of risk in any property transaction that someone changes their mind, the Hmm. buyer or the vendor. But, or if it's in a body corporate, it can take a couple of weeks to get that paperwork together, but you can make your offer subject to receiving that too. Here's a, I'm going to invert this logic for a second. I'm going to say, if you were a seller, would you ever do off market or would you always try and, if you could do an auction to get everyone emotional and get the, the buzz happening and make it competitive and all that sort of stuff. So if you were the seller, It would honestly, it would depend on my circumstances at that point in time. It would depend on the type of property that I'm trying to sell. Is it leased out? Is it well presented? Can I make it look better? Can I add some value there? And in which case I'd want to maybe put it online to try and recoup those costs. Um, Is what's the market doing at that point in time? How much do I value the idea? If I had just had a baby, I probably would value the idea of off market more. But I... So it, it, it depends on so many things. Okay. Yeah. But in a hot market, let's just say in a hot market, I feel like auctions are for the seller. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a few yeah. years ago, like auctions, everything was just like hotcakes. It was just going. I've had situations, plenty of situations before though, where I've been to auctions or purchased at auctions, even in hotter markets at a very reasonable price. And then in right. off markets, because they've brought these key qualified buyers, two or three buyers in, And those buyers love the property. It's perfect for them and they get into a competitive situation anyway. So it's not not so much um, that an auction is always the best case. It's very much case by case. Interesting. So then, yeah, you always want to have that expert guidance around you then. Well, this, yeah, this is, I feel like this is uh, an exciting part of property buying and using a buyer's agent because if you can find those properties that don't come to market, I've told you about my story before, but it was basically pre-market 
Like we knew it was coming to market. And so we we got to it. We were, we actually put in our bid the day it hit realestate.com.au, but we knew it was going to realestate.com.au. And so, so you already had an edge. Yeah, yeah. We, we were kind of just ahead. Like I got it a week ahead. And to be honest, I, I'm convinced to this day that if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have got the property. There's nowhere, I, I, no way in my mind we would have got the property. And that was, so that's like a That's a huge advantage. Yeah. yeah. And if nothing more, then it gave you more time to also process that information. So get Absolutely. ready to buy that property, do all of your due diligence, and you were able to do it a lot faster than everyone else. I'll tell you a funny story real quick before we wrap up the show. <laughs> we have a flat roof on our house. Like it's one of those flat roof kind of weatherboard shack things. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to get up in the roof to the agent when I was doing my inspection. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? There's no roof. It's a flat roof. Get <laughs> he's on like, the where roof? are you going to go? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like looked at me sideways. Like, uh, so sometimes it's luck. So definitely luck and not skill for me. But um, but you got there in the end. <laughs> you got there in the end. Yeah, I wouldn't even have fit my forehead in the ceiling. So, I mean, this is heaps of fun. If people want to join the waitlist for the course, uh, thepropertyguidebook.com.au. They can also find you on social media, Instagram in particular. So there's heaps to follow along with Amy. If you want to work with her in Melbourne, you'll find a link in your show notes. You can click and get in contact with her, which obviously she's a wealth of knowledge. So why wouldn't you? And uh, you can find me. I'm on Twitter mostly. Owen Rask is my Twitter handle, but there's also links in the show notes to all of uh, our stuff as well, as well as Chris and Pete in there too. So Amy, Amy, thank you for joining me. (laughs) Thanks, Owen. Thanks for tuning into the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.